This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Hey guys, welcome to The Bondage Days. I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. And today we are joined by Barney. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to delighted and excited to be here. Would you like to tell us where people have seen you in the kink world? Why, yes, I would. People might have seen me, you mostly will have seen me on Twitter because my Instagram got suspended, but I am a freelance fetish artist and I use the name The Muckle Stoter as an artist. So you might have seen me around drawing weirds uh, weird clown porn. I'm also a team member at Playtime where I design fetish apparel and write articles discussing kinky topics. You might have seen me on on Recon. I wrote an article for Recon, uh, appeared on a couple other podcasts. Yeah, you might see me dotting around London, Berlin at strange backwater kinky. I'm just saying words now. (laughs) You can find me at my house. It's all right. That should be our tagline, the bondage gaze. Just saying words now. It's just word association at this point. (laughs) (laughs) The filler gaze. It reminds me of when a comedian was talking, I don't know, talking about like a BuzzFeed article or something. And they said, I feel like at this point, they're just like, print this, see if it's words. Uh, yeah, I feel this way as well. I So yes, I also host my own podcast, The Big Top. And uh, similarly have gotten to the point where sometimes I feel like I'm just saying things and I hope they're words. I hope they're sentences even. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> but it's mostly noises. Yeah. Well, there's only so many things you can say on a particular topic before you run out of shit to say. So. Yeah, that is true. I've like I've gotten to the point where I actually hear my I, I'm kind of bored of myself talking because I repeat myself so much, and I think I must be the most bored because I have to listen to it the most. <laughs> but like I, I'll I'll be editing and I'll be like, oh shut up, oh you are so annoying, you loud pig, fuck off. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like I'm listening to my fucking self edit. <laughs> I mean, maybe not loud pig. <laughs> you swine. The words learn to talk have come out of my mouth before. And yeah, I was complaining about it the other day. And I was like, I really can't fucking stand when this guy talks. He's so fucking hopeless. He can't spit out a sentence. My husband's like, you're ending yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Zoom, my microphone, or I've just lost the ability to talk. Because some words just come out wrong. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. Yeah, I've started having a lot of brain and I actually, I will admit, like, I edit a lot of them out, but I'll start, like, stuttering and saying weird, like, just, it's like I've developed a speech impediment as I've gotten older for no reason. But there is a real thing, which is your voice sounds the worst to you because you don't actually hear what other people hear. You hear it in your head, which when you speak, it goes through, like, your cheekbones and stuff. So it sounds weird. And so you just think that that's a weird sound. And then even hearing it recorded is, I'm not a scientist. No, but I know exactly what you mean. But I will speak very confidently about things as if I know what I'm talking about. Hey, it's all about the confidence. Confidence takes you all the way, but bullshit gets you over the top. This is true. Uh, What kind of kink apparel do you make or sell or whatever? Oh, at Playtime, our whole brand is very much about the intersection of your day-to-day vanilla life with a splash of kink. Or at least that was the case when I joined. We've since had a complete team overhaul, and now I'm part of the core team where we've completely rebranded recently. So we just relaunched our store and it is a lot more, we're trying to diversify a lot We're you know, Playtime's grown up. We've got a lot more edgier stuff. We're branching out into loads more kinks because we were mostly sort of an ABDL and putt play kind of brand. And, you know, we wanted to kind of branch out a lot more. So currently we've got a very limited range and we're slowly introducing uh, more stuff just to keep it enticing. But yeah, it's, it's mostly apparel. So it's mostly like um, we've got t-shirts at the moment we're doing beer glasses and gaming pads and embroidery patches and that kind of thing and then slowly uh, start introducing
introducing more stuff that you could wear with gear or like as gear as well. That's cool. And then I assume like do you kind of have tables at like kink events and things like that? Is there like a store or? Uh, yeah, so we're working towards doing exactly that because we're still relatively new, but we've also just undergone like a massive rebrand. So we're sort of starting from the ground up again. Our store is completely online. We're hoping to at some point end up with a physical store. That would absolutely be the dream. But yeah, the link is shop.playtime.co uh, and that's Playtime with a Y. And also if you go to playtime.co, you'll see we've got opinion pieces, articles, that kind of thing, kink news, event calendar, that sort of stuff. So what are your finishes? Just list them all. <laughs> So clowns, that's number one. ABDL, putt play, humiliation, transformation, inflation, forced play, farts, piss, balloons, pies, rubber, leather, spandex, impact, role play, power play, bondage, love being a cum cow, a donkey boy, a dumb monkey, a pig. Gosh, it's probably easier to, to say what I'm not into. My only no-nos currently are sissy play hasn't really gelled with me. Um, and scat play now, although I'm slowly kind of starting to come around to scat, potentially. But considering what my no-nos were before versus <sighs> how many of them are now firm kinks. Yeah, I mean, you're not the first person to either be open to it or... I just have, I have friends who love to corrupt and I'm afraid of what I will do next. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Look, as long as you're sticking to shit that's, no pun intended, shit that's legal uh-huh. and isn't causing long-term damage or anything non-consensual. I mean, that would fall under illegal. I mean, the thing that I've really come to love about kink is how much these things have, like, grown. Because I I used to have one kink and I was completely inflexible and as an adult, that all just slowly started to chip away and then the more I got involved with the scene it just suddenly started snowballing and then, like, ABDL, for example, was a big no-no. That was, like, a boner killer, absolute turn-off. And now it's, like, my second favorite thing. Same for, like, piss, blood, pain, impact, heavy bondage, CNC. These were all like no-nos. Electro, chastity was a big like fear and wet and messy. All, and now these are all totally cool. <laughs> okay, now let's go through these and tell us how you realize. Well, okay, the next question is what made you realize you were kinky? I wouldn't mind changing it up <laughs> and asking you to tell us how you discovered you were into these kinks or how they developed into something you were into. Well, I was kinky from day dot. So I've never found human bodies or sex acts themselves to be a turn on. From the moment I could get turned on, I was turned on by circus clowns. And that was just, that was just what sexuality was to me. And I knew that that was unusual, but I didn't really know that much about kink. So it wasn't till I was a teenager that I started to see what other people's fetishes were like. And I was like, oh, I don't really see myself here. So I found people online, started talking to people, but I was really, really closeted. I was just, I was really embarrassed about this part of myself. And I was really afraid of what would happen if that knowledge was out in the world. And I used to be an actor. So there was also an element that was like, I don't want this to be something that can negatively impact my job. So that means it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually went and met Kingsters. And the ABDL stuff happened a little bit before that because I started to get more and more active online and I started to sort of like chat with people, get on cam with people, that kind of thing. And from a humiliation perspective, that like being dressed up in something embarrassing made sense to me. And then eventually dots just sort of linked. Again, it used to be like an absolute turnoff, but I liked the aesthetic and then I liked the idea of it and then I liked having to call someone daddy and then I liked the idea of like being you know actually made to piss myself and then you know being laughed at it all kind of like came together and then pup play happened again kind of from off the back of that I realized that puppies are just well clowns are just human puppies what the puppies were doing with a hood was what I was doing with a red nose that like sense of freedom and abandon and just like turning your brain off and being goofy and silly I used to think that that pups were this like cool, cliquey, elite kink. And that it was just to me like I wished I had a kink that was so quote unquote normal. And so when I finally realized that the pups are actually just big dorks who like to be silly and muck about, that just clicked. Yeah. And then the the moment that I my first event was kind of where the kink floodgates opened because I experienced impact for the first time, which was like again huge no 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 no. And I'm like a big pain pussy. So I was 
like, there's no way that I could ever enjoy something like this. And then that changed. So if you experienced it for the first time, I do have to ask, was this non-consensual? No, no, it was consensual. Okay. So I saw somebody getting spanked and this is my first ever event. I'm super nervous. I don't know anyone. I'm also in a foreign country because I decided that would be a good idea. And I haven't really interacted with many kinksters. I haven't made many friends yet. So I go to this thing and I'm a complete fish out of water and I see like the friend that I've made getting whipped and caned and flogged on a St. Andrew's cross and everyone's watching. And I was like, huh, seems kind of fun. Like the guy doing it, there's a lot of laughing and joking and silliness. I was like, huh, that looked kind of fun. And I've had a few drinks and I'm thinking like, hmm, that could be cool. As I'm saying this to my friend, he turns around and is like, he wants you to spank him. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't do that. And then they kind of wrote me into this deal where, because I also really like the dynamic of like teasing and bullying each other. And these were a bunch of diaper puppies. So that was very much their vibe as well. So they were like, okay, well, how about if you leak, I get to spank you. And then of course I leaked. So he's like, well, look, I mean, you know, if you just want to try it, like we can just do it on the table here. And I was like, no, 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 I want to do it. Like, let's put me on the cross, you know, five hand spanks and I'm done for sure. Like, I'm not going to last more than a few minutes. And then it was like this magical thing. He warmed me up and he started with his hands and then he just moved up and up and up, got to the paddle, got to the flogger. He ended up caning me. I was there for an hour. And for me, it was really this big cathartic emotional release because I got to do a lot of like screaming and I just released a lot of like anger and emotion that I normally don't. And also it was that thing of like, they were checking in, looking after me. I was really, really well cared for. I felt so safe. They were toweling my back down with alcohol. They were like making sure I, you know, didn't get to welting. They made sure they knew my safe word. But the whole thing was funny. Like the whole thing was he was joking with the crowd about like whether he had my clown nose and he put it next to my butt to see if my butt was red enough yet. And, you know, it was like, ah, it's not red enough. Keep spanking. And there was just a lot of jokes and banter that made it even more sadistic. You know, the more that I like swore, the harder he hit me. And then if I wanted to be let out, I had to play a game where I have to, you know, count numbers. And every time I do it wrong, he, you know, hits me on the other side. And it just, it was so interactive, which is kind of how all of my kinks are. And then afterwards, like the aftercare felt really special. I, after that, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm up for anything now. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that sounds really fun. And I feel like that's like literally the way, really the way that you should get introduced to like new kinks and things. Like, I mean, for a recent, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still not going to say that I'm into CBT or anything like that, at least like not for myself, but like a recent session I had, like there was a guy who's like really into it, like borderline ball busting kinds of things. And he, I don't know, he has a bunch of different devices and things to use. And, you know, I tried one, I forgot what it was, but it's like, I tried one on him. Like I had him tied up and I tried one on him and he liked it. And since he's experienced with that, I could go kind of rough with it. And then he, when he tied me up, you know, sometime after that, he used the same device on me knowing that I don't really like it that much, but it's something that it's like, I could see myself maybe getting into it because it's like you experience the pain, but not enough for it to make you flinch or something like that. And it's just like a very dull kind of like light pain. And then, you know, I feel like that's sort of how that works is you kind of do that. It's not so bad. And then, you know, and it's like, it kind of builds your tolerance and then, you know, you might go a little bit further next time and so on and so forth. And I don't know, it's like maybe eventually if I try it a few more times, it could be something on my list of kinks or something like that. But um, yeah, it's like, I mean, I just liked that like kind of gradual just sort of introduction to something new and, you know, it just kind of opens your mind about things. So it's not like an instant, oh my God, I love this, like Barney's is, but it's a gradual build up um, into this. Yeah, I I have found that, because I've had a few rocky experiences, but I found that the best way that I engage with any kind of play is by starting out by making like a good friendship and that foundation of just like there's trust there and the more trust that you build the more you know that they can take you a little bit further every time that I have changed my mind about something it has been that the right person led me there and was like you don't have to drink but here's here's the pool and so that was the same thing with electro with chastity with everything that I've tried that I thought I wouldn't was like you trust me and I'm into this so if you are interested let me just show you like this is what it's about and then if you want to go there just give me the nod I think trust is the core part of everything because I've got a friend who is an absolute fucking freak and he 
he loves being like really tortured. He's a he's a slave and he has some gnarly fucking permanent marks. But again, it's like you can't come in at a 10. You have to come in at a one. And that's going to be different for everybody. But also for him coming in at a one is more about like we start at this level and then build up trust and pain tolerance because you can you can trick your brain into enjoying something painful because you tell that parasympathetic nervous system like, oh, actually, this is good pain. This is pleasure pain because it's with this person in this setting. I know that this is all safe as opposed to I don't know this person with this. This setting is not a kinky setting. Ow, that just hurts. But yeah, I think for me, it's definitely a social thing where it's like, if I know that person, then I can kind of go, oh, yeah, well, they're cool. So like, maybe this thing is kind of cool. That's an interesting way to look at it. It makes sense. Although I've got to say, and no kink shame or any judgment at all, but I do draw the line at things that will cause permanent harm or even leave permanent marks. That's a bit much. You've got to draw the line. I mean, if he is okay with that, that's his place. It's not my place to say, oh, you can't do that, but not for me. Yeah, he's a great guy. The other thing is he's like such a sweet guy. But yeah, he, at first I was like, wow, is this safe? But again, it's him and his master have a very deep level of trust to be able to go to places like that. But hey, if it exists, it's a kink. Uh, yeah, it's like I'd like to circle back to like, you know, when you were kind of talking about like getting into clowns and how that was something that you understood wasn't a normal thing to like or seek out or anything. And yeah, it's like, I mean, because it's like, okay, like I feel like the stuff that I like is probably a little bit more average compared to that. But it's still kind of like, you know, it's not something that's quote unquote sex coded. So, you know, it still kind of has its novelty to people and it's still a little out there. But yeah, it's like, and you know, obviously if something is framed as like, you know, not sex coded, then I don't know, that's when you kind of have to, you know, find your own media. That's when you need to find your own kind of people who also like it. It's just a lot more niche and yeah, it takes a lot more of that kind of work and everything. Yeah, definitely. It was a real struggle for many years because my assumption from everything that I had learned was just that this isn't, even in the realm of kink, this isn't seen, this isn't a thing. And so exactly as you put it, things that aren't sex coded, we aren't taught that like you can be into anything and actually you can learn to enjoy other things with people. So it wasn't until I started doing my art and I started going to events and I started just like, you know, living a lot more openly that I realized just how many people A, are into this because, you know, there was the online community that, you know, I'd, I'd sort of built and people come and go. They're very shy about it. But there's a good handful who sort of stuck around. But apart from that, I thought it was super, super niche. Turns out there's loads of people who were, you know, curious about it or wanted to try it or who just hadn't thought of it, but are like, oh yeah, that's cool and have gotten into it just because it was a little bit more visible from, you know, something I was doing or something someone else was doing. So I think it boils down to just, we aren't taught enough that these things are okay, that these things, I thought I was the weirdest person in the world. And actually I use my friend as an example where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really not. And my thing, to be honest, it's not hurting anyone. It's not illegal. Who's to say what is and isn't quote unquote weird or what should and shouldn't be sex coded. To me, I think it boils down to like, we should have this stuff explained to us a bit better. And, and that kind of goes for, I guess, queer sex education in general. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, cause as you're talking about that, like, okay, cause um, when I was in grad school, one of the main areas of study that I, I focused on was drag. And a big part of that is, I mean, it's even still relevant today. It's like, it's funny how when I was in grad school, I felt like, oh, this is so kind of, you know, thinking about the stigma of transvestism, this feels so old. And then, but then today it's like, okay, it's all scandalous again. But yeah, it's like, I mean, just people's understanding of transvestism, of like people pathologize it, people treat it as if it is a mental disorder or something like that. And like, I remember taking a psychology class and I wanted to focus on, you know, just kind of the stigma of transvestism and then reading a official, you know, psychological, you know, documents and reports and things like that. And the way they kind of talk about, I don't know, it's this paranoid schizophrenic, like broke into a person's house and did all this other shit. And then also, you know, they stole panties and whatever in that. And it's like, I, I don't know, it's like, like, they're holding up like, you know, the focus on panties just as high as they are, like all the other shit this person did and everything. And it's just like, why? I mean, I, under I, I understand that it's not normative to do that and everything. And that kind of 
goes against those sort sorts of taboos, but it's also like it's fucking panties. I don't know. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal. It's not that weird or scandalous or anything. Yeah, that seems like it's being transphobic or homophobic just for the sake of it. Like panties missing, okay. It could have been taken by mistake, or they could be a pervert who thinks, oh, this woman's been wearing them. I want to fucking have them for I don't know, to get off on them. You don't know. Yeah, but like what is a taboo and who's to say what is like a normal thing? I mean, yeah, that's transphobic, but also it's lumping so many different things in it because one, you have no idea what the motivation behind that was. And whether it was an identity thing or whether it was a sexual thing shouldn't really fucking matter at the end of the day. I mean, don't steal. Like, that's the issue. (laughs) But like, what else is going on there is like, who cares? Nobody would bat an eyelid if it was a quote unquote, you know, normal, a heteronormative thing. If it was some dude who's like, ah, I'm just really into baseball and I stole all your baseball cards or whatever. Well, yeah. Okay. See, the thing is, it's funny because, you know, I've always been fascinated in like drag and, you know, that kind of like gender performance and everything. But it's like, I'm also a clothing fetishist, but for masculine clothing and everything. So it's like my version of these reports would be breaking into somebody's house, you know, doing these things and I don't know, stealing their dress shirts or something like that. But then nobody would really, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It would be kind of weird to burglarize a house for something like that. But it's also like nobody will scandalize that because it's like, okay, well, I'm a man stealing men's clothing. So nobody cares. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so have you come out as kinky? If so, what kinks are your friends and or family aware of? So I came out to my partner first. That was the big thing. So this was five years of us being together, thereabouts, maybe a bit more, before I finally felt ready to... Like, I, he, he knew that I was kinky, but he didn't know exactly what. And it took a few years to build up to the clown thing, because in my head, that was the most most embarrassing, the most personal, the strangest, the weirdest. So I thought I'd start with pup play when that kind of happened for me. And he doesn't really get it. He's like quite shockingly vanilla. And so eventually I, well, I kind of took that as a really bad sign. And so it took me quite a while to then bring in the ABDL stuff, but he was a lot more receptive to that. So I I thought, okay. And I knew that it was just in my head and that like, there is no reason for me not to push myself off this mental ledge because I know the floor is right there, but it was still the scariest fucking thing to do. And I think he'd figured it out beforehand because we moved in together into a house on our own uh, during the pandemic and I just was still so scared but anyway one day tell him and of course it's completely anticlimactic and funnily enough this was the kink that he thought was the least weird he was like oh yeah I totally get that we can do that that's fine which I thought was really shocking but that's since then you know now I've I've made kink my whole life so slowly started to trickle down to friends people know that I you know make kinky content and that I am a fetish artist um, I've shown up to Halloween parties in like rubber dom gear and pup gear. So the only thing I'm still really guarded about is is clowning. I haven't been so open about ABDL, but I would answer questions. That to me is not embarrassing. It's just kind of a weird one to bring up. But yeah, I'm sort of starting. My mom knows that I host a kink podcast and draw fetish art. She's seen my puphood. Actually, I went straight from that first event when I got beaten up. I then went to stay with my mom. So I feel like she's kind of aware but i've i've said like look i can answer questions but you're not gonna want to hear about my sex life generally though i am surrounded by people who are very accepting so i also think a big part of that is yeah i grew up in central london in the naughty so i've been fortunate to be in an overall quite accepting environment and you know all of my friends are very well versed in what kink is and have some of them have kinks of their own and whatever so i haven't done much in the way of like coming out completely to to my friends and family, but well, kind of now. Yeah, like I, I, I totally get the kind of compartmentalizing of what you want to share with people and what you don't and everything. And I mean, because yeah, it's like like I, I would understand that ABDL and clowns and those are things that like you might only want to tell to uh, you know only other people who like those things specifically because they're the ones who would understand. Like I just I know of like another kinkster who lives in Chicago who's also into clowns and you know getting pied in the face and 
stuff like that. And like, I remember, I, I don't know, it's funny because some time ago, a few years ago, I had a little bit of a kind of relationship sort of thing with like a younger kinkster. And, you know, he was well-rounded kind of in his regard, but like, I felt like, you know, as a lot of people who are young, he had kind of a big head about his experience and what he knew and everything like that. And like something that always annoyed me about him was because he was more experienced with sex dungeons and things like that like he tried to act like he was more well-rounded than me and everything and like that he's kind of seen it all and done it all or something and I remember bringing up this guy who's like into clowns and like showing him his page and everything and he just kind of seemed like I I don't know like like he just didn't know what to say or think or anything like that about it and it's like yeah like it's like you don't know how how deep the trench goes so just do yourself a favor and don't act like you you know it all or have seen it all or anything when you said oh yeah I stayed with my mom after I got beat up at my first event my brain was like what you got beat up at an event oh you're talking about the impact play it took me a sec there and yes there are some things that I mean it's cool to be open but there are some things a parent just doesn't need to know yeah I mean I kind of saw it as like it's none of your business because there is an element of you know for a lot of people like so actually for a lot of ABDLs I think coming out is a big hurdle because there is still a lot of stigma around that kink but also for a lot of people it's it's more about that like personal self-expression I think the same thing for a lot of furries a lot of furries it's not like inherently sexual it's a bigger part of who they are and same for pups you know even if it is sexual so I totally understand wanting to be upfront with uh, the people in your life and not feel like you're compartmentalizing all of these different aspects of your life because I felt like I was you know bifurcating myself and hiding a huge part of myself from my friends but it's enough for me to be like I'm kinky and I'm into weird shit you don't need to know the details unless you really want to but that's not the important part the important part is that I don't feel like I'm hiding something or keeping this like secret you know yeah absolutely you want to be secretive just because you don't need to share sex life with people but you don't need to be secretive because there's a shame about it yeah totally shame sucks fuck shame unless your kink is kink shame yeah unless you're into it in which case great give it time and that'll be on your list Dude, I mean, just thinking about like how deep that trench goes, I promise you everything's a kink. There was a time where, you know, Leathermen and puppies, well, and even then there are still some old generation Leathermen who kind of look down on, on pups, but it's like, there was a time where that was pushing the envelope. And now I just think about it, like spend enough time on Twitter and you are going to see people who like to dress up as orcs. You're going to see people who like to dress up as donkeys. There, I've seen some duck boys. Like there is everything. Anything that you can think of, someone has found a way to turn it into something sexy. Willy Wonka is huge. I don't know if you know how many people are into being, I happen to be chatting with someone right now whose whole thing is being blown up like a blueberry. Yeah, Oompa Loompas and, and being blown up like a blueberry. Okay, that's the first off out of that. Each to their own. So more than one person, I will say, have gotten off to me like singing the Oompa Loompa song to them. How would that work? I get you could dye your skin, but how the fuck do you get blown up like a blueberry? People are creative. So some people, like their whole just for fans is this. And normally they have like a big inflatable suit, but they'll start by like, you know, just pushing their belly out and then like editing it blue and then painting their face and editing it so that, you know, they turn blue and then putting on the suit and inflating it. There's movie magic involved. And I love any kink that involves creativity because as somebody who has a kink that involves a lot of fucking steps, that is <laughs> that is commitment. Yeah, I've got to admire the creativity behind it. That's quite interesting yeah it's like well because with speaking of that like i remember being at a rubber event and talking to a guy who who has like you know those balloon type of things that you blow up and then could basically crawl into and like he he showed me a video of him using it he told me that he brought his like with him to like in case anyone wanted to do that with him in his hotel room like it's the whole thing yeah that stuff is cool i love anything that is really really wacky occasionally you'll see so i i did my first Folsom experience in Berlin. I'm hoping I can make it to San Francisco this year, but just some of the stuff, I was like, wow, people are weird and creative and cool. These people are weird and creative and I am right at home. Exactly. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So what is your favorite kind of kink content? Um, Anything clown related or ABDL related because the world is in short supply. Uh, I should say the world is in short supply 
for male content. There's actually loads of straight ABDL and clown stuff out there. Anything that's like sadistic, em- embarrassing forced transformations are my jam. So anything like that. In terms of like the type of content, I love art, comics, videos, animations, short stories. I don't do novels. I don't have the patience. It takes me a really long time to climax as it is. If I'm like reading something that's more than a page, it's it's not happening. But yeah, I love weird and wonderful, wacky, goofy, clowny shit. Creativity. Creativity is key. There's a lot of kinky content I wish was there. And so wanting to fill that gap was kind of what led me to become a fetish artist. And then that rabbit hole just opened up. Yeah, like transformation is, it's something that I didn't really think of until one of my close kink friends, he has always toted the line of being interested in like haircuts, like in like haircut fetishes and stuff like that. And then once we kind of like kind of in that realm was like, okay, well, I know how to how to color hair and stuff like that. So I was like, well, would you want me to color your hair? And, you know, we can make it kinky. I could tie you up. We could do all of that. And then so with part of that, like he was also like, okay, but like, like we could do that, but like I don't want to see how it's gonna look until it's finished. Yeah, it's like so you know, with rinsing, you know, the bleach off and switching to toner and just doing all of that. Like you know, it's like I didn't let him see how his hair was looking or anything like that. And then yeah, it's like and then so he didn't get he didn't get to look in the mirror until it was finished. And like because he said that that's like he you know he recently started getting into transition stuff. And then ideally, it's something he would love is for somebody to just completely you know change his outfit, change just everything like about him, like all of that you know he sees himself in the mirror looking one way and then people change him and whatever like that and then he looks completely different like after that which i mean you see in movies and cartoons and shit like that like all the time yeah that is one of my favorite things is the transfer like looking in the mirror and not recognizing what you see and i love doing it to others as well like tying a guy up with you can tie a guy up with like modeling balloons they're like really sturdy or a string of handkerchiefs like whatever and then clowning them and then they look in the mirror and it's like I've turned you into something completely different. Also I'm just thinking wow you'd have to put a lot of trust into people to allow them to do that. Change my appearance, change whatever. I say that realising that I have let my husband tie me up. Well I said let. I wrote the plans up but he's tied me up and shaved my head three times now. Nice. And I'm thinking because I've done a few lives on my OnlyFans. At the time of recording I'm still posting videos and I've done a few lives and I'm thinking oh my hair's getting a bit long. Maybe I can do a live head shaving but I'd have to talk about that with him first either he ties me and does it or I just do it live myself so I don't remember who I've given first dibs on but when I am ready to shave the mane I am gonna make it a scene ideally very public in which whoever wants to can just shave me bald that will be a big change because your hair is fairly long isn't it like I could see the man butt at the back yeah oh wow so for the tapes Barney's hair is down to his chest yeah but for it goes past the ribs. Okay. Wow. Well, I always wanted really long hair and then I have always wanted really short hair. So I've kind of done the long hair now. I'm just waiting to be completely bored of it. And then I'm just going to shave the fucker. That's fair enough. Long hair just isn't my thing. Some guys really look good with it, but I'm not one of them. I did have the slightest band bun about eight years ago, and I still look back and cringe on it. And it wasn't at all because I was trying to grow it out or jumping on the man bun craze. I just hadn't got around to getting it cut. And I also worked in food, so I had to tie it up. Now I shave because I don't like going to their barbers. So I'm, I'm really conflicted about it. All my pictures, I hide, my, I hide my hair. I really, really don't like having long hair in kink, in, in the bedroom whatsoever. It's always got to be out of my face, hidden. Ideally make it look, you know, how it looks when it's short. But then in my vanilla, vanilla life, I love having long hair. I just think it's cool. So I have this weird like hang up where I don't know if that's some internalized toxic thing where I, I think it's it feels too feminine for me or something. But I yeah, I don't know. I just I hate having <laughs> long hair in the bedroom. So shaving it will be great. Yeah, I'm just thinking of this. It wasn't a meme, but it was a photo someone took. I guess it was some restaurant and management had left a sign it was men with long hair must be tied up like oh yeah I like the way you think (laughs) oh no (laughs) well and then something I've heard from another kink friend with long hair is like he just runs into I mean okay well of course like people who are assholes to people with long hair because just because they don't like it and they prefer short hair and stuff like that and then but then also things with guys that he actually plays with of like guys wanting to like play with his hair or like comb it or style it or brush it or I don't know do some shit with it 
when they probably don't even really know how to handle hair and like yeah it's like i remember him saying that that's like just a problem and could be really annoying and everything like a lot of guys who have probably never had long hair before probably don't really know what to do with it and will probably fuck it up or tangle it or something and yeah i mean yes that is annoying but i've only encountered a few people who those kinks have overlapped where like they've wanted to play with my hair which is fine but don't fuck it up yeah <laughs> i'll swat your hand away i try not to be too precious about it but i i will slap the hand <laughs> That fucks with my hair. That's fair enough, though. I mean, you might be ready for short hair, but you've also taken the time to grow it. Yeah, this did take years. If you're going to cut it, shave it, whatever, you want it to be on your terms. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, so I want to sort of change up the next few questions that we have because, I mean, typically, you know, 90% of the time we talk to people who are specifically into bondage. And so we ask, like, you know, what are your dominant traits or your submissive traits, you know, things kind of like that. But since you have such like a wide net of like different kinks and everything like that I guess I would just like to think of it like more all-encompassing like I don't know like how does dominance and submission kind of factor into the things that you like it's like you know like I feel like with humiliation there is kind of a clear dominance and submission where you know the sub is the person who gets humiliated the dom is the one who initiates the humiliation and bullying or whatever but yeah so I love power play I've realized that 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 is actually a thread through most of my kinks and clowning like actually really really lends itself to it because in like artistic clowning there is traditionally like a high status and a low status clown and so you have the clown who's like the buffoon who gets pied in the face and they get kicked in the butt and they get pantsed and they get embarrassed and they get humiliated and then you've kind of got the smart clown who's doing all of that so in terms of my traits I would say that neither dominance nor submission for me are like a trait or at least not one I possess innately I would say like I'm a great boss clown or ringleader you know or I can be a very like firm but nurturing daddy or you know I, I'm quite a sadistic clown too if that's the scene but I'm whatever the situation and vibe is with the sub or the dom so for me it's all about like building that connection figuring out what buttons to push and and, and what works I'm very good at diaper changes for example but I'm also very good at delivering tasks and humiliating punishments or enforcing, you know, rules and spankings. But none of those things work for everyone. Some of those things, you know, are fantasies. Some some of them aren't. So it really just depends on the sub and what they need and also what they bring. You know, are they bratty or, or the dom and, and, and what they enjoy? So I'd say it's, yeah, the same for dominance and submission for me. It's just, I'm all about that connection with the person and it totally depends. I mean, yeah, it's like that makes complete sense because it's like, I realize that, you know, there's always a slight submission or dominance and like in most things even outside of kink or sex or anything like that but yeah it's like I mean because I feel like for something like you know obviously in bondage it's very clear cut of who's the dom and who's the sub and everything but yeah it's like in things like that it's a little bit more ambiguous and it's like it, it can still be a factor in there but yeah like it seems like it's not always the case yeah though you did mention when we were talking and I was trying to come up with some ideas for this episode you mentioned you're a true switch and love the idea of challenging a dom now have you ever successfully challenged a dom and taken over the scene yes i have well okay so if i'm the sub in a scene then the dominance has already been established so at that point at that point no but i always push buttons to test the water you know and, and once i'm dominated then then fine but i do have friends where like one of us will come or or in some other way you know there's some sort of climax or ending to that part of the scene and then suddenly the scene changes because the power dynamic flipped and so it turns around mid-scene but yeah I, I would say I'm definitely a true switch I love both just as much and I go through phases you know right now I'm in a much more dominant phase but I will then flip-flop and be back in a really subby space my favorite thing is not knowing so I love the friends with whom it's a struggle for power and you know the winner of the wrestling match or the game or you know or, or the hypnosis or just the word exchange gets to exploit the sub 
subbiness of the loser. It, it just makes it so much more satisfying to knock them down a peg and put them in their place. It's why actually I love turning guys into clowns. There's that transformation element, but there's also this like, haha, you're the bozo and not knowing which way it's going to go and who's going to end up the stooge is like really fun. And as a as a sub, like I love being a brat. So challenging a dom is really fun for me because it's how we determine who's going to be in charge. I've done it before where we thought that this guy was going to be the dom and I was being super subby, but then, you know, we met in person and I was like, oh, wait, no, you're subbier than I am. This is really easy. I'm going to turn it on you. But then, you know, it's also happens that I try that and then I get punished and then I know my place. And that is like just equally as fun. When you brought up the thing of like, you're the bozo and everything, like it kind of reminded me of um, with my first boyfriend, like one of our, like a Halloween that we spent together, like we were going out. So, you know, I, it's like, I'm somebody that it's like, I don't know if I need to wear a costume for something, I, I will have something. I always have a stockpile of like costumes or something like that to put on or an idea of something to do or something like that. But he wasn't like that. And then so it was sort of just like a last minute kind of thing that he wanted to do. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, okay, I could do sugar skull makeup on you. And you know, he just wore regular clothes and had that makeup on like whatever. Yeah, it's like, so I did his makeup on him. But it's like something I quickly learned is, okay, he's a guy and a guy who's not used to wearing makeup. So that meant that he kept touching his face like throughout the night and not really thinking about it and he's just like I guess such a dude that like he wasn't even looking at his face in the mirror or anything like that to see how he looks so it didn't take long for him to just look like a smudged mess like after a while and that like in a way I kind of enjoyed that of like okay well he's like he looks fucking stupid with his makeup like all smeared like that but like you know I don't know from my perspective I'm like well he should have fucking known what he was doing he like figured it out and like been more careful touching his face but oh well well I have two thoughts on that one a smudge mess could also be part of the costume like hey that's fine also I get he might not be used to it like I fucking I probably would touch my face too I'd never worn makeup but wouldn't you see it coming off on your hands like is he not looking at his hands he's not drinking eating yeah like he didn't notice until towards the end of the night and it's like okay like <laughs> and he went to the bathroom several times because it's like he was um he had a vape on him and he like you can't smoke in bars here so he had to sneak to the bathroom to to vape and everything and it's like so he was going to the bathroom a lot so I assumed he would have come looked at his face in the like in the mirror in the bathroom and he didn't so it's like okay well that kind of makes this more funny that like he's so oblivious to this well I was gonna say what the dirty cunt doesn't wash his hands too but I guess if he's just going in there to vape off topic side note because this one is fucking important we've been in a global fucking pandemic for over three years now and I go into a lot of public bathrooms because bladder issues whatever the sheer number of people I will see while I'm washing my hands they come out of stalls and they don't fucking wash their hands it's about 50% it's disgusting what dirty cunts regardless of whether they're in a pandemic that's fucking disgusting no bye that's vile where where is this happening shopping centers restaurants I used to work at a university and you know the bathroom that I used a lot like I would constantly see people mostly college students but people like go to the urinals you know, when they're finished peeing, take out their cell phones, start texting, and then just walk right out. Like, and don't, just don't even acknowledge that the sinks are there. The texting, that's how you get pink eye, guys. Don't text on the toilet and not wash your hands. Also, your phone, I make a point of every now and again cleaning my phone and cleaning the case, taking out the case, because that thing is on every surface and gets touched by my hands and doesn't get washed. So everything that I, why has this become the germ podcast? What the fuck is wrong with people? Why aren't people washing their hands? I don't know. There was a study a few years ago. I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin everyone's day. And I think I've even talked about this before. I can't remember what led to, led me to talking about this, but there was a study. I'm pretty sure it was in the UK. So you might be aware of this. All these restaurant touchscreens, like fast food touchscreens were tested. Every single one had traces of fecal matter. Stop it. You're upsetting me. I was just going to say, now we're back to scat. Oh yeah. Are we turning you on, Barney? Stop it. Give it a year. <laughs> Give it a year. <laughs> year and a half. Come on. Okay. Fine. I love that you're a true switch, like you said, in the sense of you're like, yep, they need to know their place. But then you also acknowledge that you were very quickly shown your place as well. Oh, yeah. I have encountered brats who like to just continually push it. And it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, at what point are you like, this isn't fun if this just goes on forever. Like, I'm not chasing you because this is supposed to be like a scene. Do you know what I mean? My bratty side is like, I'm going to really poke you in the ribs, but but 
if you demonstrate that you're not having any of that, then it's, you know, then it's over. Yeah. It's like, see, that's kind of the problem that I see with, like, when I encounter brats is I feel like, like, I feel like there needs to be a level of consent, like, with brattiness or something. Like, I don't think anybody should just immediately just start a conversation with, like, kind of being bratty or something like that, because, like, I feel like I could kind of put up with it a little, but if that's what you're leading with, then I'm instantly turned off and not interested. Like, I, I recently in a group chat I'm in, I made a I made a joke about like it's not even that bratty, but like somebody on recon, his first message to me was basically like, "Is your roper good enough that like I won't be able to escape from it or something like that?" Like it was something along those lines, and it's like okay, like instantly what I see there. I mean, I'm not gonna meet up with this person, but like what what I instantly think is okay. Well, if we meet up, I will tie you up in a shitty way so you can easily get out, and it's like oh well, that's you're you're so good, you got out of my ropes like i'll call you an uber bye like well also if you're gonna be a brat what's the end goal because if the end goal is not that you're going to submit like if you come in with i'd love to test you know the limits and are you into that is that fun for you you're gonna get to dominate me and you're gonna get to break me and you're gonna get me to submit but is it fun for you to put that work in and if the answer is no then the answer is no are your ropes that's so stupid i know who the fuck starts a conversation like that like I don't know this person at all this is the first thing he's ever said to me and it's like okay I'm already like I already don't like you like it's like I don't know you at all but I don't like you just from you saying that and that being the first thing we kind of talk about like it's like you don't know if I if I like brattiness if I'm like into that or anything like and then yeah it's like it's funny because it's like what it actually did was make me spiral into like thinking of ways as a dom that I can like counter brattiness (laughs) I'm not gonna chase you but I'm gonna invite you to start running like yeah i mean that's the other test it's like okay if you really want to because then yeah run bye leave the scene like i mean at what point are you going to turn around and be like uh so i kind of want you to chase me in which case you well that's the brat broken then because it's like oh okay so that was just for show so in future you're not going to do that then are you oh god i really am in a dummy mood <laughs> I'm feeling, I mean, not subby, but fuck, I'm fanging for a roping. I can't remember the last time I had a recreational roping, and I haven't filmed a video in three weeks now, so I have not felt ropes on my skin in three weeks. I did take myself to a chair on my OnlyFans Live, but does that really count when it's self-bondage? I only take one. I kind of did it strategically, like I take one arm, but didn't have the other one in shot, or I was playing with myself. But proper rope, no, I haven't had it for weeks. Yeah. I haven't had rope in far longer than that but one of the last times was the most memorable which was like oh there's just so many things at once my hands were bound behind my back and then I had one leg in the air and then they put a hood on me and I was completely blindfolded and then they suspended me and then they spun me around and then they started swinging me around the room and then I was mercilessly tickled by a bunch of people for a very long time to the point that when I was finally let down and untied and the hood came off I was so overwhelmed and disorientated and then I got spanked and then after all of that and I was tickled so hard for so long and after all of that I, I couldn't take anymore I was just like my, my body I have to just lie here and be horizontal and they were like okay well I guess in that case we'll cane the soles of your feet because it's the only part we haven't gotten to yet and I was like ah Okay. Go to Sensei, bud. Oh, no, 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 no. I was having a lot of fun. And I'm very ticklish and I'm very vocal. So it was pretty torturous, but I didn't get to, I didn't get to safe wording. What's your safe word? <laughs> My safe word is monkey slut. Just because you want the stupidest thing that's going to completely take you out of it. And if it's anything that sounds remotely like something I might say in a scene, it's not going to work. Have I told everyone what my safe sound has become? It's not that out there, but it's a bit dopey. And it actually came from New Year's Eve when I had Ben, who is, is he Aussie gear boy now? He was Aussie leather boy now. I think he's Aussie gear boy. Uh, you can see him tied up on my Instagram. Before we tied him up, or even during him being tied up, we just had the Simpsons playing in the background. So I was like, okay. Okay, the safe sound, if you need out, is the Simpsons theme, Hobbit. And then it's kind of just carried forward to Brandon and I and our recreational stuff. If I want out, got to hum the Simpsons theme. That's smart because as soon as you hear a tune, you know that it's, you know what's happening. But at the same time, I can't 
help but think if I'm doing a scene where like I'm getting tickled or something, I would just not be able to do that without laughing and <laughs> never get out. It's funny, like, because something I just kind of thought of, you know, but like the relationship that I'm in, because my, my boyfriend is also kinky and into bondage. And I mean, so yeah, it's like, I mean, but it's funny when you're like living with, you know, another person who's like into what you're into, because it's like, okay, obviously there's like a living play partner and everything. But then also it's just different because when you meet a new person or just, you know, a separate person for a session, bondage or just any kind of kink play, it's it's on the agenda. Like that's, that's what, you know, is happening there. But then when you're living with somebody who's like that, it's a lot more kind of like we can spontaneously kind of just do something and, you know, and it's fun and spur of the moment or whatever. Or it's like, it could be like we spend weeks talking about, oh yeah, well we should play and do this and this and that and whatever. And then we just like never get around to it or something. You know, we don't have that, you know, confined time, you know, that we have with like when we, you know, go to meet with somebody to do this, to do that. Like, it's like, okay, well we can do that or we can start doing laundry or or start preparing dinner or go for a walk or something. Like, Yeah, a very good friend of mine. We never fucking get around to playing because yeah, exact same thing. He's, you know, local and a lot of the time like he's busy and so like when we see each other it just ends up being totally social even if we intended it not to be or I get him at like just the wrong time and like okay so I don't really feel like there's any option for spontaneous bondage there always has to be some element of preparation even if it's little things like making sure I don't eat the wrong foods like if I've eaten anything sweet no it's not happening I'm gonna feel like shit but that's a personal issue I'm very limited to what I can eat and not feel like shit gotta make sure I've eaten though like I've had the right amount of food the right amount of water we could have a quickie where he quickly ties me to the bed and fucks me but bondage that's going to take an hour or so there needs to be prep work yeah I mean when I say spontaneous like it isn't completely like out of the blue like oh let's tie you up or something like that but I feel like it's more so we might bring it up in the morning before we go to work and then like that way we could kind of just mentally sort of play with that in our brains and then see if we're in the mood for that when we come home because I think usually if we didn't talk about it beforehand when we come home from work we just want to eat and get comfortable and not really do anything. I mean, the way I approach kind of everything with playing is let's discuss all the possibilities so that we know what's on the table and then things can be spontaneous and it's there's like the groundwork because you can't spontaneously be like, hey, let's do this thing. It's going to take an hour. You know what I mean? Like I got put in Segafix and it was awesome, but it takes a long time to put someone in that. And so if you're going to do it, like you kind of need to just. But that's why I said, hey, look, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. You know, whatever it is. And then then when you feel it in the moment, you can actually act on that spontaneity. Well, and then the funny thing is, so like my boyfriend didn't really post. He has stuff on his recon. Um, He doesn't show his face on anything, but he has stuff for his recon. But he's never really made like, quote unquote, kink content or anything until he met me. And then it's funny because I feel like like the best way for us to get like a good scene. I mean, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that like either of us are going to get off during it or anything. But like when we make good things, it's usually like when we're actually making some sort of content because I feel like, you know, that sort of puts certain confines on what we can do, what we should do. It makes it more exciting to do certain outfits or be tied like in a more interesting way or something like that because otherwise it's probably just going to be something like really basic and like kind of comfortable and whatever, like where we might take some pictures, but you know, we're not really doing it for looks or anything because it's just for us. And yeah, it's like, so it, I don't know. It, it's weird that like when we're actually like doing a video or something like that, that I'm intending to post, those are usually like a little bit more fun because that's where we get more creative and things like that. So Barney, how long have you been with your partner now? Seven, eight years. So you've lived together now for about three years. Yeah, coming up on, on three years now, yeah. Well, no, we were living together before as well, but with other people. So this is nearly three years of just, just us. Okay, I get ya. I thought that was like, oh, that's a long time to wait to move in, but each relationship's different. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to move in with you. I want my own space. And then it just financially made sense. And But we did that then with lots of people. And then eventually, yeah, it got to the point where we both were just like, we don't want to live with people anymore. Just want our own house. Yeah. And now I can have like, you know, a kink closet. That is awesome. When we lived in our previous house, I let a guy that I work with stay with us for, I can't even remember how long 
he was there. This is going back eight years. And that was all right for a little bit. I mean, he was a bit of a tool. Like, I ended up kicking him out because he was smoking weed in the house. And I was like, at that point, like, we're renting. You were going to get us fucking kicked out. I don't care if you do it, but don't fucking do it in the house. And I found it by chance because he had this habit of fucking leaving, like, dirty bowls in his room to the point they'd go moldy. So I was like, you know, I'm going to fucking check he hasn't left any dirty bowls in his room. And I found his fucking bong sitting out there. Like I said, don't care if you do it. No judgment. But you're not doing it here. Then when we bought this house, we even said, like, oh, maybe we should get, like, a person living with us for a little bit just to pay down the mortgage a bit. I ended up letting another guy I work with who was also a fucking stoner. I made it very clear like what had happened with the previous guy so that shit wouldn't be on. He was uh, nice enough but a bit very much victim playing just didn't have his shit together. But when he came in I've realised oh I'm a lot more hornier than I was two years ago and now with you around because you're always fucking around I can't fucking do anything. And so it was kind of like within a week of him moving in I was oh instant regret. He was here for about six months he just wouldn't fucking leave because it was only meant to be for a couple of weeks because he just had drama going on with his missus and probably would never do that again <laughs> it, it sucks when other people can like even cock block you from yourself like uh, like you, you can't even comfortably like masturbate because you don't have that space and privacy and whatever yeah so do you do any kick activities with your partner a little but it does continue to shock and perturb me the level of vanilla that <laughs> he is because I've uh, you know I've introduced him to everything and he's like nah I just like fucking and I'm like fucking is the most boring thing in the world <laughs> but yeah so uh, you know coming out to him was a big deal and when I finally did that he was like well you should go and make kinky friends and get involved in the community and, and meet people and stuff and then that evolved into oh okay well look if you want to do these things that I don't want to do with you do some with your friends like why not and then it kind of evolved into oh actually and again I he has many 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 great qualities and one of them is the double-edged sword of he is incredibly straight-laced so like he's not a spontaneous person the way that like I am but we we had this very out of character moment where he joined in with me and someone else and then after that he was like you know what just do what you want with who you want and then for a little bit he kind of did as well and sometimes he does but he kind of realized it isn't as big a deal to him and so he's kind of like the reason that all of this wonderful stuff happened for me like he was kind of gave me the, the impetus to to start doing it so we don't really play but you know occasionally I bring something into the bedroom but not really but he kind of then genesis this whole thing so we stand a supportive king <laughs> yeah that was the most gen z way I could put it <laughs> Would you consider saying to him, like, well, hey, you can tie me up if you want, and then you can fuck me. Well, you, if you want to fuck me, you can tie me up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm so much more about the scenario and the situation and the fantasy. So I'm far more about the the verbality and the role play. And that's the thing that he really struggles with because he just can't get into that kind of headspace because it's just not his thing. It's just not for him. So we can do all the stuff. We can do all the bells and whistles quite easily, but it's very hard for me to get much out of it when we're not in a scene and to do that you really have to get it and you really have to be into it I, I started with bondage and stuff because it was just to me that was like okay well you know what this is at least so let's let's start here and work on it yeah baby steps yeah like I mean with what you're saying with the mutual interest I mean that's kind of that's like such like a huge thing it's like because I feel like there's a huge pool of guys who are curious about bondage or or who are willing to put up with bondage like you know that might be fun kind of in its own way but then it's also like I don't know there might be a lot of room for disappointment with that because it's like if you know you kind of know what you like and you know you're kind of advanced with what you like certain people just aren't going to scratch that itch just because they just don't understand it they you know they don't know what the appeal of it is they don't you know this that or the other thing like I like I remember I don't know it's like I I've stopped making um those kinds of comments online because I did kind of get a few people kind of say okay well I feel new to the kink world and you saying that feels kind of alienating or something you know because I went through a phase where I got a bunch of people on recon and like the only people that had any kind of interest were people with no experience in bondage but just kind of wanting to experiment with it or something like that and I have nothing like against that but it's like also like okay when I kind of need my itches to be scratched like this isn't going to do it for me because this is going to be kind of like I'm going to be in training mode I'm going to be in teaching mode I'm going to be kind of in that I'm not really going to be getting as much enjoyment out of that because it's like this is somebody that you know they probably never tried it before and then maybe if they tried one thing with me then it's like they might realize that they don't even like it and you know back away from it you know 
know, or if I let them tie me up or something like that, it's like, okay, like I, you know, one trust and all those other kind of factors and everything to worry about. But and then on top of it of like, okay, but I'm also like not going to go into in this expecting to like get, ple- you know, get like a lot of pleasure out of it, because it's also like, they don't really know what they're doing, then it's kind of like, I'm still going to sort of be on guard and kind of trying to show them the way and everything like that. I'm not really going to be that concerned about my own pleasure or anything. Yeah, I get that. I as somebody who loves experimenting, I do also love introducing things to people. It's kind of that thing where like, I like it when my friends corrupt me. And so I also like kind of doing that for other people. But yeah, I mean, that's because I am getting something out of it as well. But I feel like the one thing that I really kind of took away from my partner being so accepting was that you don't have to get everything. And the fact that he doesn't is like, he can still respect it. And that's made me then be a lot more open to trying new things with people, even though I didn't really get them. Because you can normally find your own fun in that, I found, with like things that normally aren't really my thing. Especially if you like turning other people on, because I really enjoy turning someone else on and seeing how excited they get. In your case, Nat, I guess it's a bit of a balancing act. Because, yes, a lot of these people are inexperienced. And it is like, well, if no one is willing to teach them, how are they going to learn? But at the same time, you also are a person who has needs. You need to have your needs met. I guess you got to find that happy medium between... It's like, well, because it's like, it's similar to what I was just saying about brats earlier of like what you're leading with. It's the same thing with like, okay, with leading like with, okay, well, you need to teach me this. You know, that's like, if that's like the opening, the opener of a conversation, it's like, wait a minute, who the fuck are you? And like, and what are you expecting me to do for you? And how much are you going to pay me? And whatever. It's like, you know, it's stuff like that because it's like, I have several friends, you know, who are experienced subs, not very experienced doms that I kind of show a few things with like how to dominate and, you know, things like that and everything. And it's like, cause I, it's like, I'm always willing to teach a friend, but the thing is there needs to be that kind of relationship already built up that kind of trust, that kind of dynamic or, you know, something like that, where it doesn't feel like I'm working with like teaching them versus like these people that I don't know who just kind of show up and are like, Oh, I'm willing to learn and whatever. And it's just like, I don't know you. I don't know like where this is going to go or anything. Yeah. I understand. It's got to be a bit of give and take. Like in the case of your brat guy, what are you bringing to the table, mate? Just a shitty attitude? No, move on. But then some guys are eager to learn and they, that will pay off in your case because you may find yourself another playmate. That does it for this week's episode, but uh, stay tuned because we're still going to continue our conversation with Barney. Until then, um, we'd like to thank Barney for joining us. And thank you for having me. It's been fun. So until next week, I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. See you next week.